This is Tears of Scrutiny. Hi there, welcome back to Tears of Scrutiny. My name is Eva Eben. And I'm Barry Sedona. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the affirmative action decision that was handed down June 29, 2023, about a month ago now. It was Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard and Students for Fair Admissions versus UNC, which was consolidated into one huge case. Mm-hmm. 237 um, pages. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was that was a big one. You want to tell us a little bit more about the case, Pari? Yeah. So with affirmative action, so affirmative action happened after post-integration, <laughs> because I can speak, it's been a long time since we've done this, but post-integration, mm-hmm. and it was in order to help students who didn't have previous access to mm-hmm. higher level institutions mm-hmm. get that access by allowing universities to use race to address past inequalities. Mm-hmm. And how they would do this is potentially with a quota system until that was ruled unconstitutional few decades down the line and since it was ruled unconstitutional Mm -hmm. schools have been using race again as a factor in admissions Mm -hmm. to help this interest that they have in diversity Mm -hmm. that was a case in 2003 Greta V. Bollinger Mm -hmm. that said they can use it for a narrowed um, interest in promoting diversity Mm -hmm. within their schools but they saw in Grutter, they decided that in about 25 years, the practice should no longer be necessary in mm-hmm. creating diversity at college campuses. And that's kind mm-hmm. of where it leaves us now in 2023, 2022 with mm-hmm. these cases. Mm-hmm. So the first one we have is Students for Fair Admissions v. Harvard, as Eva mentioned. And Harvard is a private institution. That's why these two cases were separate, even though they were filed by the same petitioner. So with the Harvard case, the petitioner argued that it's a violation and was a violation of Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 by discriminating against Asian American applicants in favor of Mm -hmm. white applicants. And that was argued on October 31st of 2022. Mm For the students, for the um, UNC aspect of the case, Mm -hmm. they argued that affirmative action as a practice was unconstitutional based on the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Mm-hmm. And this actually this case actually hits a little bit close to home because we live in North Carolina and I'm going to UNC in the fall. So, mm-hmm. And Pari, as it happens, is applying <laughs> to colleges um, in the upcoming fall. So we will. she is the first peer group that will see how the removal mm-hmm. of affirmative action will affect the applications process. Yes. Um, so in Which, terms of, oh, sorry, as you hinted at, mm-hmm. there has been oh, a removal yeah. of... Oh, yeah. Surprise. Action. I'm sure you know. I'm sure it's been in the news. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Everywhere. Everywhere. So, yeah, affirmative action has been done away with. Um, and the Supreme Court did rule that uh, the practice violates Title VI of the, C- the Civil Rights Act of 64 and is unconstitutional. Um, so, yeah, what happens now? Yeah, so that's something, as Eva mentioned, I'll be applying to college this year. Mm-hmm. Yay. And <laughs> It's not um, going to be a yay. <laughs> And I'm sure mm-hmm. many of you guys who listen to this podcast, of course, we've made it for teens by teens, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of you guys have or will be applying to college, know someone who will. Mm-hmm. And as many of you guys know, there's this thing called the Common App. Mm-hmm. And the Common App will no longer be asking for race as part of the application mm-hmm. once there's that rollover on August mm-hmm. 1st. Um, sorry for that reminder, but mm-hmm. <laughs> once there's that rollover, they will no longer be asking for race as part of the application. So schools aren't supposed to consider race. 
-hmm. However, students can still write about their race, Mm -hmm. which is something that Chief Justice Roberts wrote in his opinion, quote, nothing in this opinion should be construed as prohibiting universities from considering an applicant's discussion of how race affected his or her Mm -hmm. life, be it through discrimination, Mm -hmm. inspiration, or otherwise. But despite the dissent's assertion to the contrary, universities may not simply establish through application essays or other means the regime mm-hmm. we hold unlawful today. End quote. Yeah. So essentially, this doesn't have to mean that race or even culture stemming from race has to be removed from your application. Or yeah. like you can you can still as an Indian American write about Hinduism or yeah. yeah. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important to note is that they're not saying you can't write about race. Yeah. And in fact, if it's something that is important to your mm-hmm. identity, mm-hmm. do write about it. Mm-hmm. But it's this idea that colleges and universities mm-hmm. shouldn't consider race, which, you know, that brings us to another question. What will this really look like in mm-hmm. terms of application? How do you know that a school has not unfairly selected someone, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. you see someone, let's say, for example, and you have an alumni interview. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Georgetown requires yeah. all their students to go through that process. Yeah. You're going to see a student if you're doing a face-to-face interview yeah. with them, right? You're going to, you know, read the name of a student and potentially mm-hmm. be able to tell what race they are from that name. Yeah. And it's how do we... Ensure that they don't just continue, continue to anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... That that goes back to a question we, we've always asked on this podcast about how do we enforce Supreme Court decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a I had a law teacher that said there's no constitutional police. No, he said something else. There's no there's no there's no law enforcement that comes around this like huge Captain America outfit enforcing Supreme yeah, Court I mean, decisions. They have no sword, right? Yeah, they have no sword, they have no shield. And um when we talk about how they're going to enforce this, I think it's always been this like trust fall situation with yeah. these things. And also, yeah. I mean, you can as a student now like sue for discovery on the basis of oh, yeah. a violation of your rights by oh. saying that you were discriminated against unfairly on the basis of race. Oh, yeah. And of course you can get mm-hmm. access to those interview mm-hmm. documents, right? But mm-hmm. isn't someone just going to be smart about it and not, mm-hmm. right? Oh, she didn't get in because she's XYZ, mm-hmm. right? Like no one's going to, you know what I mean? How yeah. can we... And I think but, that's something that we'll see mm-hmm. no, but as they, the application process happens. But you also, like, I read the, I read UNC's and Harvard's response to the cases. And while they were disappointed, I think, in the outcome, they they did agree to adhere to the Supreme Court's decision. I mean, of you know course. I mean? And of and course, it, they might do that on a surface level. But I, but like. it's like, how do you. How do you make I sure? Think, I don't, I think we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. You know what I mean? I think also, mm-hmm. like. As schools, I mean, you know, UNC being like a PWI, and I'm pretty sure Harvard is one too. Oh, oh yeah. It's predominantly like white institution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how, you know, UNC really hasn't had a great track record of supporting oh, communities yeah. of color 100%. once they arrive at this doorstep, right? Mm-hmm. So, is that something that's going to be em- emphasized more? Is you know, ensuring that students of color have access to the resources mm-hmm. that other students may have that they don't have, or students who are mm-hmm. of lower income, mm-hmm. which brings us to another question is, are there going to be re- replacements for the affirmative action mm-hmm. policy, perhaps in the form of an income-based advantage in the application process or a zip code-based? Or getting rid of standardized testing requirements. Oh yeah, there's a thousand things, there's a thousand questions. Um, I, I do expect that they will have some sort of alternative or replacement, mm-hmm. at least to ensure that 
um, at least to ensure that financially disadvantaged students, students that have lacked access to resources throughout their high school careers and as they are applying to institutions like UNC and Harvard are fundamentally disadvantaged, will have a leg up in the applications process to sort of equalize the situation and make sure everybody's starting off at the same point. Um, but I think also like mm-hmm. we're seeing that mm-hmm. public schools right now are getting gutted at an elementary in North Carolina, for yeah, example, we're having yeah. the introduction of like more access to vouchers, right? Yeah. And vouchers will take money away from public schools that are already struggling, mm-hmm. right? You know, especially mm-hmm. in areas that don't have don't get as much funding for them. And these things happen to these things happen in, in impoverished areas and to communities mm-hmm. that are already um, not doing well in terms of financial yeah. access. So it's just like, cycle. what? how are we going to, you know, actually fix the problem, right? And I also, I would argue that fixing that problem does not start at, oh, we're applying to college, you're 18 years yeah, old, yeah. and that's when we get to help you as a government or even as, as an institution. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, there's just so much money that these institutions are sitting on. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, if you're really concerned about or particular group of students mm-hmm. support them when they're at your school right mm-hmm. and that's something mm-hmm. we'll talk about a little yeah. later but i wanted to make a quick little disclaimer as an asian american student mm-hmm. as an indian american student mm-hmm. i know a lot of people and a lot of my friends and family are very joyous celebrating this as a victory mm-hmm. and i think it's really important to note that it might not be the victory that we think as a community it is mm-hmm. Because a lot of, well, for a couple of reasons. One, we've seen that, you know, UC schools got rid of affirmative action in 1996. Mm -hmm. And we saw at many UC schools, the percentage of AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander, freshmen who were admitted to those schools, ended up going down Mm -hmm. after affirmative action was gone. Mm -hmm. We've also seen that the proportion of Asian American and Pacific Islander students at Harvard grew from 22% in 1999 to 24% in 2018. Mm -hmm. This is from a study done by the Georgetown School of Public Policy. Mm -hmm. We also saw that at most selective colleges, the proportion of AAPI students grew, you know, again, Mm -hmm. from 1999 to 2018. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm sure, you know, the group of AAPI Mm -hmm. um, people within and college age mm-hmm. people has obviously probably grown as a result of immigration as well. Yeah. But we've also seen that API students hold 18% of all seats at the country's most selective mm-hmm. colleges, but make up only 6% of the college going population. I mean, I would argue and, that there's, there's a, there's a variety of factors that could have caused those jumps, including, as you mentioned, yeah, yeah. immigration, like, but also we know statistically that API students scores standardized testing wise, um, I think school transcripts, these things, rigor, all of these factors that are considered in the college applications process, AAPI students tend to have high scores. And as a group. As right? a group, as a community. And that could be an explanation for why they hold 18% of all seats while only making yeah, yeah, up 6% yeah. of the college going population. But I think this idea that we're going to benefit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's even yeah. It's very false because also the studies that were used, you know, a lot of the ones that were quoted, again, the professor that's quoted a lot, the Princeton professor, mm-hmm. Thomas J. Espenshade, even said himself that this shouldn't be taken case in point, right? Mm-hmm. Because they don't have access to essays. They don't have access to alumni interviews and other parts of the um, application process besides just, just statistics like SAT scores, mm-hmm. GPA, ACT scores. Yeah, And we know that the admissions process is more than that. 
Mm-hmm. And I also think that affirmative action has to an extent potentially been conflated with anti-Asian bias, mm-hmm. right? Like I think we'll see with how affirmative action plays out, but I think that there might be very real anti-Asian bias based on the model minority myth Myth, and this idea that Asian American students as a whole are, Mm -hmm. you know, overperforming as compared Mm -hmm. to their white counterparts Mm -hmm. that I think will continue to permeate, right? Like Mm -hmm. this inherent bias. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Asian Americans numbers are going to jump tremendously. Or I don't think, you know, now I'm going to get into Harvard because I'm Asian American, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not going to give, me a leg up it may not it just and i I don't think it'll give you a leg up i just think that maybe you wouldn't be hindered by somebody else getting a leg up you know what i mean yeah that's the thing and that in itself may be a leg up but i don't know in i don't know in that sense because i also think again like the way that harvard and unc considered race as a Mm -hmm. factor yeah you know i think other schools are going to be smarter about About it it. you know i I, Mm -hmm. and i don't think that on like you know, I don't think that we're getting rid of the problem again of anti-Asian bias within mm-hmm. application. Within Do you think the there is anti-Asian bias? I think there is potentially anti-Asian. Yeah. I mean, bias I remember with the Harvard. Sorry, no, no, off, but I remember with the Harvard case when we were when everybody was hearing it, and right at the like the initial stages of that, everybody like I think they released the Harvard like their application stages and mm-hmm. um, the way that the admissions officers evaluate applications and. We were talking about a personality score being a part of that and how Asian Americans tend to score lower on that personality scale. Yeah. Right? And like... You think that's discrimination or do you think it's the standard for personality that Asian Americans aren't fulfilling for whatever reason? Like what is... I think the model minority myth has permeated the process. And Mm -hmm. I think this idea that Asian Americans as a group... And I think also like, you know, this is a separate... This is a not a separate conversation, but also one that's entwined is Asian American, the popular API is such a broad spectrum of mm-hmm. people, right? We're talking South Asia, we're talking Eastern Asia, we're talking Southeast mm-hmm. Asia, right? And there are so many people with so many different experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are Asian Americans in America mm-hmm. whose, you know, ancestors and whose you know, family members were put in intermittent camps, right? Mm-hmm. And there's also um, immigrants mm-hmm. benefited from the 1965 Heart Sellers Act, and that's why mm-hmm. I'm here, right? Yeah. And I think that conflating that group of people is part of the harm. And I think that there may, I don't think it's going to solve this idea oh, of I, like anti-Asian 100%. discrimination and in I, the admissions process, like they think. Like, I don't think getting rid of affirmative action is going to get rid of anti-Asian bias. And I don't think affirmative action is the root of that bias either. I would, be hasty, I would be hasty to complete the two or even say that, okay, yeah. doing away with affirmative action means that, you know, I think life is happy in America for all Asians, yeah, yeah. 100%. But I think that's what people are doing. Yeah. But you know? do you, I agree, actually. But I do you think that them no longer taking race into account as a factor, like, organically in the college applications process, do you think that that will do benefit or harm for the like the model minority myth i mean you know what i mean i think like i think it, it will well like if anyways, even consider I, it. I think it's a two-way street right yeah like the model minority myth was perpetuated by having asian american plaintiffs in this case mm-hmm. right by you know pitting asian americans even though it is compared to their white counterparts right basically against against other minority groups Mm -hmm. right that is part of the model minority that's one part Mm -hmm. but then it's also well the process in it of itself of this discrimination against Mm -hmm. asian americans 
perpetuates the model minority myth. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's like multifaceted and I think it's on both sides. Like double-edged. Of the yeah. argument. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's like we as Asian Americans are being put in the middle and we're being taught to celebrate when I, and like, that's the thing is I don't think we should be celebrating because I don't think we are the ones who are going to benefit but if affirmative action goes away. I don't think we'd be celebrating or mourning. Or, yeah. Like, I think it's sort of an ambivalent situation here. Mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about legacy admissions yeah. and whether those will take a hit. I did I did see somewhere a headline. There's I a lawsuit against Harvard for legacy yeah. admissions on that. Yeah, and on the topic of legacy admissions, just some stats from The Guardian. Nearly 70% of legacy applicants to Harvard are white. In Harvard's class of 2022, 36% of those admitted were legacy students, and roughly 75% of the white students admitted from those four categories. So the Mm -hmm. four categories are athletes, recruited athletes, legacy students, dean's list, and then the last one is children of faculty and mm-hmm. staff. So out of those students who were accepted, they would have been rejected if they had been treated as white, non-ALDCs. Yeah. And in really recent years, um, Carnegie Mellon, Amherst College, MIT, Johns Hopkins, and I think as of this week, Wesleyan University have announced that they will end legacy admissions. Yeah. Oh, I think that's really tricky. Like. I was having this conversation with, I think, my father, and I was, and he was like, you should get rid of legacy. It's not fair. I was like, man, like, I applied to Harvard. If I'd gotten in, would I, would I be seeing that tune right now? Like, would I be like, oh, yeah, let's get rid of legacy? Or would I be like, hey, keep it. I want my kids to be able to make it in. You know what and, I'm saying? And also, not only that, but, like, mm-hmm. I understand from a school perspective mm-hmm. why you wanna, would want to keep legacy, right? I mean, there's a cultural element to it. like, and, yeah. yeah, and I there definitely is a race factor to oh, it. Oh, yeah. But it's not as blatant as I think affirmative action is as a practice in terms of being textually against the Constitution, right? Yeah. Like, there's, yes, perhaps a majority of Harvard's legacy applicants are white. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a reason for that, too. There is, and there's a historical reason for that, too, right? But it's Mm -hmm. like, you can't use that in a court of law and say that's unconstitutional. I don't... I mean, mean, we'll see how it happens, but... I don't think it legacy sometimes like, if we want to take this like anti-racist approach to legacy i sometimes think of like the grandfather clause in terms of voting mm-hmm. when, when we think about that and that was um after african-americans were given the right to vote in this country there were a lot of voting amendment, yeah. amendment yeah um there were a lot of voting blocks that were placed in their way like literacy tests the grandfather clause things like that which was like if your grandfather could vote then so then can you so can and obviously since you know they were just emancipated and given the right to vote in the 15th amendment 13 14 14th, 14th, 15th amendments their grandfathers wouldn't have voted so like yeah um, like i'm not saying i mean like i just understand why institutionally and i also understand why but i also mm-hmm. think again if your school is concerned about diversity then mm-hmm. isn't that something you would get rid of yeah. automatically yeah. right like i think at the courts it's not going to be potentially an argument mm-hmm. that will win out yeah. just because i don't know anything i don't know if that correlation between i don't know if that's enough for it to win out definitely not but i think yeah. as a school if you're really concerned about diversity then that's the thing you do yeah then that's what especially you do. if you're like you know you you're in this lawsuit and you're claiming to be you know so up in arms about this and so hot and bothered yeah, about yeah. it like um yeah. then relax you know do something about it yeah um i think I, 
One thing's for sure, though, I think from yeah. this decision is that we'll see that the numbers of Black, Hispanic, and Latinx populations, Indigenous populations, are going to drop at, you know, higher level institutions. That's a fact. We've seen it happen in yeah. states that have gotten rid of affirmative action already, yeah. you know, and I think, mm-hmm. not to say that was the point of this decision, but it's just interesting I, I don't think we'll see asian american numbers go up which i think a lot of people mm-hmm. think is i think it's definitely trade-off. gonna be a consequence of this decision and like when i think about like indigenous communities specifically like native american communities and how this will impact them like that is when i sort of i think understand the breadth of it because like that is a community that is so impoverished and like you know so disadvantaged and if they are considered you know, at the same level as you and me and, like, everybody else, and race is no longer a factor, like, that worries me, especially if we don't have a replacement, you know what I mean? Like, if we if we don't have an income-based or geographic-based or, like, yeah. geographically. And, I mean, that's the other thing that the majority argues is that there are other ways for diversity yeah. to happen at a college campus, campus, and I 100% agree, but I also wonder, like, you know, affirmative action – of course, there's also, right, that argument that, like, people, if people feel like they only got in because of affirmative action, like mm-hmm. imposter syndrome and yeah. other students around them, now we'll see that, like, Merit there's cases. less of that. Yeah, there's less of that discourse mm-hmm. that a student who's Black only got in because mm-hmm. they're Black. Yeah. And I think there's also, again, with affirmative action, this false narrative that, you know, a Black student who has lower test scores, mm-hmm. right, is going to get in over an Asian American student who has higher test mm-hmm. scores. Like, I don't think it's, it is not and that it isn't, it did not play out like that. You know what I mean? I don't think so, at least. Like, I think that there are other factors to consider besides just an SAT score at face value, right? A hundred percent. I think, I think it's folly to sit there and be like, no, just like affirmative action doesn't mean that a black student won't get in over an Asian American student with the exact um, with the exact same like financial abilities, no. but with lower scores. Like I just don't think, I don't think you can say that because like I think we see it play out too often. Mm, but I, I think also play. like most of the time mm-hmm. we're compared mm-hmm. to students within mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. group, and I think yes, they seek out students mm-hmm. who are from those communities, mm-hmm. but I think that's different from like. So you're saying like if it's me versus somebody with the exact same scores exact same profile exact same quality of letters of recommendation essays but, yeah but it'll be them it'll be 100 percent. yeah but yeah. even if if they have lower scores will it be me i think it because a, you know like the thing people say like but i think oh, also like, you have to look at like your mm-hmm. economic situation mm-hmm. right and your ability to get that score oh 100 you know i'm saying I mean? i'm like, saying equivalent economic status too or even maybe even better economic yeah status. because with affirmative action they weren't considering economic status as much as they were raised mm-hmm. so but it's like but that's like not fair because mm-hmm. you consider everything right in holistic admissions. Oh, Who knows what was being considered more than? Yeah, I make that you know what I mean. Too. Like, like what was the actual factor that happened to? Because you don't know what yeah. pushed people over the edge, yeah. right? And I this is true. I just don't know if I believe this idea that like they're just gonna take you based on race. Yeah, or this idea that like Asian Americans, even though there are some studies that say that, those studies also again fail to account for really key parts of a holistic admission process mm-hmm. like essays mm-hmm. you like, know, essays. like letters of recommendation like um, interviews that they just don't have access mm-hmm. to and like for example that mm-hmm. guy john mm-hmm. 
Wang. Yeah, John Wang. Yeah. Who got like a 1590, right? And he's like, oh, so pissed about it. Mm -hmm. Also, it's just funny because students were, Edward Bloom, the founder of Students for Fair Admissions, tried Mm -hmm. with a white woman and it didn't work. So he switched Mm -hmm. to Asian. Mm-hmm. Like that's also, I think, part yeah. of my issue with it. It's just it's pitting minorities against it's, minorities. It is a weaponization of Asian Americans. Yeah, like one hundred percent. No, no, I don't argue that at all. I think that can exist. But in, I also in... think it's so harmful to think that all Asian Americans have the same experience, 100%. or all Black people have the same experience, right? Like I don't debate and that. And that's what. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's what the majority is saying is that that's what you're doing by mm-hmm. just taking someone in because of their race. You know, one hundred percent. Yeah, but that can exist in conjunction with okay, there's an advantage being given here that may not be entirely meritorious, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. But I also think, like... Like, I'm not strongly on either end of this case. I just think... Yeah, I... Okay. The only thing I think is that Asian Americans were weaponized. Oh, yeah, and that's no, like I my, don't that. That's, like, my no. really frustration is yeah. this idea that we're going to benefit mm-hmm. from Like, when you talk to people at higher... Like, these, you know, elite institutions of higher education, and you, you know, you see who is who is fundamentally advantaged by the affirmative action policy, it tends to be extremely wealthy members of minorities. It's not like these universities aren't still PWIs, right? Oh, 100%. It's not like you're getting replaced or that Asian Americans aren't, you know, the second largest population at most of these schools, right? But it was also, also you know, I'm not, I mean, my argument for this is never like Asian Americans are being discriminated against. That is not my argument. I'm saying like, is it merit? Like, is, are we looking at this based on merit yeah, or are we, but are we, are we giving people who don't need an advantage an advantage? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it was, also, if it was people from impoverished areas, people who are like truly crippled financially and societally who were, who were being given mm-hmm. the leg up, I would be all for it. But I'm saying like, who that needs this leg up even gets to the place where they're applying to a Harvard well, Obviously, people who are financially disadvantaged in this country can be overwhelmingly people of color. Like, we know that. But can, like, for me, it's like, do I want the policy that will give a rich black kid with the same scores a leg up? Or or do I want the policy that will give a poor white person or black person or Indian person who actually needs a leg up a leg up? And again, like, we don't know how much of a factor race was in the past few years. Or is for each student, right? I'm sure it's on an individual basis, right? Like, yeah. I, I, and also because they want to create a diverse group of students, mm-hmm. right? You know, take, let's take, for example, Eve and I were applying at the same exact time, right? Yeah. We're both Indian American students from Raleigh area, like RTP area, yeah. right? And we are, you know, similar in our activities, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, and they're going to try and create a, a diverse group of students. So if there were tens of Eva and I mm-hmm. in other states, mm-hmm. right? they're probably only going to take one of the Eva and I's from mm-hmm. one of the states, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's the one who has the higher scores, or mm-hmm. maybe it's the one who the has the highest essay. award, the stronger essay. Yeah, and a you thousand. don't know which one it's going to be when they're creating this diverse yeah. student body. And I think that, like, that is the whole point of holistic admissions, you know? And I, I don't know necessarily what it's going to do for Asian American and Pacific mm-hmm. Islander students. Mm-hmm. I don't think... In the ways that the Asian American community, from my own personal experience, mm-hmm. has perpetuated that we will, mm-hmm. you know, this notion that we will become the biggest benefactors. Yeah, I, I don't that. know if that's true. Yeah, you know, looking at states who have gotten rid of it, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Is I don't know, if we, and I think it's really harmful to say that we as a group are going to benefit from affirmative action going away. Mm-hmm. When I know that there are some Asian American students who have benefited from, from affirmative, affirmative action. action. Yeah, but I also think I think that can exist 
in conjunction and simultaneously with the fact that affirmative action itself was a flawed process. process. 100%. It lumps people of into certain communities into a box, group, yeah. into the same groups. It and it does damage in the sense that it allows you know all black people are not the same, all Hispanic people are not the same, all and we don't have the Asian same experience. Yeah, exactly, we come from different. Like I like I moved to this country when I was ten. Like I'm not the same as, as somebody who was born, raised here for generations, also yeah. API, or you someone know? who's you know again mm-hmm. family was in a Japanese intermittent or whose family you know worked on the railroads and was yeah. discriminated against. And there are like there are African American applicants, like there are, there are black applicants who are applying from out of the country and who are you know royalty in certain countries who are applying and are on the same level racial in the race factor as people from mm-hmm. impoverished areas and urban areas um you know and i think that's really tricky with affirmative action and yeah and i think also it's really again important to note that it's not like race was ever or has ever been the only the only 100 percent. i think we should have to add you know mm-hmm. obviously because you can't just mm-hmm. But yeah. also but when, but when we boil down to painting, like, yeah. Okay, yeah, and saying that we all have the same experiences. That isn't so right with me. And also, like, yeah, it's absolutely not the only factor or even the most important factor by any stretch. I mean, but who when, knows what is, right? Yeah, but we have no idea. But ultimately, when we boil down to we're looking at two applicants who have, you know, the exact same thoughts, very similar profiles, and if race ends up being that one differentiating factor, then we are going to see. Um, we are going to see somebody getting an advantage that maybe they don't deserve, or maybe we are going to see somebody not getting an advantage that they do deserve based on income or something else, some other experience they bring to the table. Like, I think we have no idea because it's a holistic admissions, admissions process, how much race yeah. has played a factor. And I also think like, because it's a mm-hmm. holistic admissions process, it's very easy for mm-hmm. race to continue being used as a factor. Oh yeah, without, without it being like an being explicit a, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think it's so easy for, you know, someone writes a supplement about it, or mm-hmm. even if they don't write about it, but yeah, you but know that's... from the name. And obviously, that's well within our rights as applicants yeah. to do to talk about how our culture, how our backgrounds, how our race has affected us, right? And what that experiences is... we bring. Diversity yeah. of thought can stem from race. Diversity exactly. of experience can stem from race. I mean, hundred percent. Important, mm-hmm. of course, in creating 100%. diversity, but this idea that we all have the same experience I Based think, on is race. perpetuated by affirmative Absolutely. And, and I that think is the I, issue that the Supreme Court had, you know, yeah. rightfully so. I and think. I would encourage all applicants in the upcoming year, like, if you feel like your race has, you know, has obviously played an impact like into who you are today and the person you've become, then write, write about it. Write about the experiences that you draw from that and your cultural background. And that's valuable. And nobody can take that from you and your ability to impart that into colleges as you apply, um, you know, as a class of 2028. Yeah. Nobody can take that from you, at least of all the Supreme Court. Um, I think that's all we have from you, for you today. We will see you in two weeks. See you guys soon.